Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. All right. Well, it is time for Testimony Tuesday, and we're so glad that you've come to join us on this episode of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. And I am extremely pleased to welcome in uh, our next guest to tell us his amazing story of what God has done in his life. It's Pastor Tomas Bueno. Are you there, Pastor Tomas? I am here. I am here. (laughs) Hello and welcome, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Made some time for us. We appreciate that very much. Hey, well, I'm, I'm, I, I feel honored that you would ask me to to be a part of this. Well, so thanks for the invite. I I should let our audience know that we have a, uh, for our premium subscribers only, we have a a very exclusive WhatsApp chat group where uh, we reach out to some of our, you know, faithful listeners from time to time with with questions uh, and suggestions about, you know, what we should be doing with the podcast. And so a few weeks ago, I put out a question and said, um, uh, which pastors would you like to hear testimonies from? And so I don't know who it was. I'd have to go back and look, but your your name came up on the list. So there's got to oh, wow. be something going on here, Pastor Tom. Wow, that sounds cool. <laughs> hey, I'd be interested to know who, who, uh, who, who mentioned me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. just out of curiosity more than anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it, it's, uh, it, it's no surprise to me that your name came up just from the little bit that I do know about you. You've got an incredible testimony. And so we want to dive right into that, uh, this evening. So, uh, why don't you tell us, first of all, where you're from, where you grew up and what your, what your home life was like. Okay. Sounds good. So, uh, I'll just start by telling you where I'm at today. So um, today uh, we live in the LA area. Uh, we pastor a church here in the city of Bellflower, California, which is a suburb of LA. So we're about 20 minutes, probably 30 minutes outside of downtown Los Angeles. Um, when people ask, where is Bellflower? I have to reference the city of Compton because everybody knows Compton, right? Uh, because of the, you know, obviously the, all the, the rap and even the movie that came out straight out of Compton. We're about um, four miles just east of the city of Compton. And so we've been here uh, in this area now, pastor, for about 10 years. Um, I actually uh, was born here in, in, the LA, in, in the LA area. I, grew, I was born in uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Hospital, uh, which is one of the county-run hospitals here in the city of Los Angeles. Uh, and I was raised in the city of Paramount, which is the city right next to Bellflower. Uh, I'm, I'm the second of two boys. So it's uh, me, I have three brothers. My parents are from Mexico, 
uh, or Mexico, as some would say. And so we were all born here. I grew up in Paramount. Um, my mom worked a job. My dad was, uh, he actually owned a bar. Uh, he was partners in a bar that he owned with my aunt. And so, um, you know, growing up, my dad, uh, he was, you know, he was always with us uh, in the home, I should say, but not in the home. Um, he, you know, spent a lot of time out with his friends, um, you know, drinking. Uh, obviously, he ran a bar, so he was in that life, um, you know, the nightlife and, uh, you know, those times where he just wouldn't come home. Uh, but my mom always was there. And um, it's almost like my mom had to make up because my mom kind of spoiled us rotten. Um, and, you know, but we weren't raised in a Christian home. We went to the Catholic church um, here and there. Uh, we identified as Catholic, but we weren't uh, really devout in that either. Uh, so I was born in 79 and basically lived in, in um, one house um, my entire upbringing until the age of 12. But um, it was around the age of 12 that I, uh, I started getting uh, real enticed by what I saw around me. Uh, we grew up in a gang uh, area. Um, even though the gang itself was not very active on our street, it was pretty active in some of the neighboring streets. Uh, but this would have been in the early 90s where tagging crews were like really big, right? There was a lot of tagging crews, uh, graffiti crews, and um, a lot of gang activity. And so I remember being in thank you, Thank you for specifying for the, uh, for the uh, uh, suburban white kids. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in just a moment because we, we ended up moving to Huntington Beach shortly thereafter. But uh, but yeah, um, so I started getting enticed. You know, I started seeing these guys. My dad was pretty strict with us, man. He was pretty strict and pretty hard. Uh, he wasn't affectionate. Uh, he, you know, he was just, he was, you know, my perception of my dad was like, man, he's real mean. Uh, we would get whooped uh, for what we thought was unjust reasons. Uh, there was a couple of times we did see violence in our home, um, you know, and uh, we saw, you know, my dad hit my mom and, you know, things like that, you know, because my mom's like, hey, what are you doing this and that? And, you know, they'd have their arguments. And I can remember being a little kid and uh, my mom and, you know, so I have an older brother who's seven years older than me. Then it's me. And then I have a brother who's a year younger than me. So, and then another one, seven years younger than me. So the two middle ones, me and my other brother, I mean, I can remember we'd go with my mom looking for my dad at different bars, man, at midnight, one in the morning, just driving around because she always had a sense that he was in danger. And so anyhow, um, you know, just my dad was just, you know, pretty mean. Um, and so he was also strict and I didn't understand, you know, he just would, you know, didn't like us going outside of play or anything like that, even though we would, cause he wasn't home a lot. Um, so I started getting enticed by all, what I saw these guys, man, they were the cool guys. They had the girls, you know, that kind of thing in school. And it was about seventh grade, uh, an incident um, that caused us to move is my dad was actually followed home from the bar and he pulled into the driveway and um, and he was basically he, he was shot up. I mean, while sitting in his car, they tried to kill him and, uh, you know, they shot up. I was I was in the house. I mean, my brother, we were watching the movie. Look, who's talking to if you remember that movie. Anybody might remember that. But that is a, hilarious uh, that you remember that movie. 
Yeah, man. I remember we were watching the movie and all of a sudden we heard gunshots. I was 12 years old and hear gunshots. And um, my my cousin's wife, uh, who was they were living with us at the time, says, oh, my goodness, your dad, he's trying to kill your mom. And so we were like, what in the world's going on? Well, come to find out it wasn't him. She just, you know, she just kind of assumed that what it was is my dad pulled up. Uh, it was about nine o'clock at nine. My dad pulled up home and um, they shot him up while he was sitting in this truck. So he came in. He was off. He was wounded. He got shot in the shoulder, uh, blood everywhere. He's asking for a gun. And, you know, I'm as a little kid. I'm trying to process this. I was 12 years old. Coming to find out this was problems coming back from, you know, from Mexico, family issues and, you know, just a lot of violence that took place back there that spilled over to the U.S. So needless to say, we had to move. And uh, we moved. Um, in the middle of the night, um, a few months later, we ended up moving so that no one knew where we left or we moved to. Um, so so how, how old were you when this happened? I was 12 years old. I was 12. And um, and so we ended up, uh, um, you know, staying with family Had a an uncle who kind of was like our bodyguard, you know, just dropping us off at school, picking us up because we didn't know where this was all coming from at the time. We didn't find out till later. And so. Um, we ended up moving to uh, Huntington Beach. Uh, I asked my parents, well, how do you guys pick Huntington Beach? They said, well, we just jumped on the freeway, just kind of exited somewhere and made a couple right turns and found an apartment for rent. We just wanted to get away from this area. And so when we went to Huntington Beach, man, that was a real life changer because, um, you know, it was a new area. Um, it was a middle to upper middle class area. Uh, very little Hispanics uh, or Mexicans, you know, very, very few in the area where we lived. And um, this was at the time where Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and all these rappers were really coming out man. 92, 93. All my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I saw the transformation and the influence that they had on these suburban white kids and Asians and everybody, man. And so I just got really enticed, man. I was just really like, wow, this is cool. Watching MTV, man, for hours at a time, you know, it was just like, man, this is. And and so then I ended up meet, meeting a friend, man. I met a friend who this guy was a, a the, he, you know, he was a street kid. He was cool, you know, all this. And he just had an influence on me, man. And that was just pretty much the beginning of my of me rebellion. I was 13 years old. And I just, you know, started ditching school. And then when I got into high school at 14, it was worse, man. I just ditched school, um, you know, get high and started smoking weed at 14. And um, but yet I would always be at the school by three o'clock to get picked up by my mom and go home. Um, and so that went on for a while until they kind of caught on. Hey, something's not right here. He's he's. He's he's not coming home. He's he's out and about. So, uh, you know, that was about 14 years old. I was sent to live with family in Rialto for six months. It's a city in the uh, in the Inland Empire here. And um, so anyhow, um, you know, this was just an attempt to try to get me away from my friends. And so I lived with my aunt for about six months, came back and fell right back into the same group of friends. And um and so at this point, I was already 15 years old. I was a sophomore in high school, but I wasn't going to school, man. I was just ditching. I was, you know, just running amok and just being crazy. 
Um, and then at 16, I get my license. You know, my parents are hoping that I'm going to do good. But, I, you know, again, just it's just a means to go out and party and, and run wild. Uh, but it was at, at the age of 16, man, that I started smoking meth. I started smoking speed. And, um, you know, it's just just how did, imagine how did that. Sorry to interrupt. How, how did that happen? Like, how, how did you jump from from the regular kind of stuff, weed and to, to the harder stuff like that? Yeah, well, um, that's a good question. Um, at the time, um, it was just a lot of partying. All my friends used to used to were already doing it. And I remember, man, they would tell me, man, come on, you know, you got to try it or help you stay up. You know, you can drink all night. You can stay up and da da da. And this, and, um, and I, and I remember thinking, man, and it, pardon me if I reference movies, but this is, I remember watching this movie called New Jack City. Uh, and in this movie, there was this crackhead and I, and I, in my mind, I hadn't ingrained anything you smoke out of a pipe. You're a crackhead. I don't care what you call it. That was just my thinking. So I turned on my friends a bunch of times. I told them, no, nah, I'm good. I'm straight. I'm straight. I'm straight. Well, I get this job at Subway at the age of 16, right? I get this job at Subway and my coworker, man, has been a, a meth user for years, but this guy looked like he functioned normally. This guy could sleep on meth, which was a trip because you're not supposed to. He could eat, which is another no-no because meth you, you takes away your hunger. And to me, it appeared as though he functioned normally. So... I started smoking speed with him, something I didn't do with my own homeboys, but I would do with this guy. And he's the one who really trained me and taught me how to how to how to pack the bowls and how to do all this stuff. You know, I mean, we're at work at Subway where I'm getting high in the restroom at 16 years old. And then my homeboys would pick me up or I would drive to them and we'd party all night, you know. And um, again, that was at 16. It was just, you know, um, at that point, man, I was just full blown, you know, doing drugs and partying. And, you know, my parents, they couldn't do anything, man. I'd be out. I'd come home. I wouldn't, whatever. And that was it, man. I was just just full blown into that. But by that point, uh, by, at, at that point, I was 16. Some of my friends that I was close with, right, some of my close friends that I was close with had, had joined a gang. So they had gotten into a neighborhood. And so, you know, I'm hanging out with them, but I'm not a part of that gang. I'm just, these are just my friends that I knew before they were gang members, if that makes any sense, right? And so, um, so we were just hanging out all the time, um, you know, going out, partying, this and that. Well, um, you know, and, uh, feel free to stop me at any point, okay? Because remember, I, I'm going to summarize. I moved to Huntington Beach in 92. Well, in 95, we moved to a city called Fullerton. Fullerton is just north of where Disneyland is located. And so in Fullerton, um, you know, we moved there. Uh, my dad had found a house to rent because we were living in an apartment. And this is in 95. And then in 96, again, I'm, you know, I'm working this job. I'm doing all these things. Well, in late, in late 96, right around the time that I turned 17, I met uh, a young woman who is now my wife. Okay. And so the uh, trip out on this, we, we used to go to uh, an indoor swap meet 
where all the homies, all the gangsters, all the cholos would go. Cholos is like a Spanish word for gang member. We'd go and um, buy our clothes. We'd go to an indoor swap meet. Well, my wife, right, happened to work at one of the, the stores where a lot of the gang members would go and buy their clothes. And so I met my wife there in 1996, right before I turned 17. Our birthdays are three weeks apart. And, um, you know, it was right before we turned 17, we met and uh, she got my number and she called me. And, you know, I'm still, remember, I'm partying. I'm doing all these things, you know, running the streets, hanging out with my friends who are gang members. And, and then I, and then now I, I have this, you know, this girl that I meet. And so she starts, we start connecting and, and talking. And uh, so for this went on for about a year. Right. Um, and, and then she ends up, uh, you know, she, my wife, she ends up getting pregnant and, you know, we're both 17 years old. She gets pregnant. And uh, I remember telling her, oh, go ahead. I said, that'll change things quick. Yeah, no, I did. Because um, I told her, I said, I remember telling her, man, all these things are vivid in my mind. uh, Because I remember telling her one day we went, uh, confirmed that she was pregnant. She says to me, look, my dad's not going to be down for this. I'm going to have to move in with you or something. I said, okay, well, well, we'll make it work. Keep in mind, we barely knew each other, right? And so I said to her, okay, well, I'll just, I'll call you, I'll call you tomorrow. Well, one day this, I remember I'm 17 years old. One day turns into two days. I don't call her two days turned into a week. I don't call her a week turned into a month. I don't call her. I mean, I, I basically left her hanging, man. I, I you, just, were, so you were avoiding this. Yeah. It's not that I said, I'm going to avoid this is that I was so wrapped up in what I was doing that I was just, you know, in the streets, doing drugs, partying, you know, all these different things that I just kind of procrastinated on it. And it got to the point where, okay, it did get to a point where I started avoiding it. It wasn't that way initially, but I'll tell you why it got to that point. Because after a few days, I can call her and say, hey, sorry, I've been busy, right? What do you say after two months? Mm. What do you say after three months? I was, I mean, honestly, deep down, I was, I was embarrassed. Even as a 17 year old, like this is scandalous. So I just, I was just, you know, just kept partying, doing whatever I was doing. So um, this was in in 97. And then in, in um, 1998, my son is born. My son, Nick, um, he was born in 98, in April of 98. Keep in mind, I have not spoken with her in, in the entire pregnancy. Okay, oh I haven't spoken with her. Yeah. So How did this go down? I got to hear this. Well, okay. So this is what happened. Um, I'm party at this point. I am now claiming the gang that I said I didn't want to be from. Remember, my homeboys, they were part of this neighborhood. I never wanted to be from it, but I was always with them and drinking and partying and just you lay down with dogs, you get up with the fleas. At this point... I am, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm claiming the neighborhood is what we would call it. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm basically, you know, um, just claiming the neighborhood. The only thing that is left for me to do is get jumped in. And remember uh, at this point, you know, um, I'm, um, I'm already uh, 18, right. Turned 18 in 97. Um, and, and that's pretty old to get jumped into a neighborhood. But for me, it was 
just the process because I was around these guys all the time since I was a teenager, right? Since I was younger. So what happened was that we're out one night and my son, this, uh, my son is, is born in, in April. Um, we used to go cruising down. There's a couple of popular streets out here in the LA area and in Orange County where a lot of the gang members would go cruising. It originally was this thing where guys would go and showcase their lowrider cars, but then it just became like a place to meet girls and, and, you know, go out and party. And so we were cruising one night and, um, we there's it was one of those nights where we would call it kind of dead it wasn't a lot of things going on there wasn't a lot of action so we end up pulling into a 7-eleven and um you know one of our one of my friends one of our homeboys he's he starts talking to these girls and um they were buying alcohol and, and we had just made fun of these girls for various reasons because they we felt that they were unfit to hang out with uh, uh and i can tell you later why but um because I don't want to offend anyone, but yeah, they were, we felt that they were a fit for us to hang out with. One of my homeboys decides, I'm going to talk to these girls and find out where the party's at. So sure enough, he finds out, they say, yeah, just come follow us. We get into a couple of cars, right? We go over to follow them and we pull up and there's like, I don't know, 40 to 50 guys hanging on on this street, man. Pretty much block us in, make a long story short, man. They're asking us, where are you guys from? They're hitting us up, this and that. We end up telling them where we're from. And, and this guy is in my face, man. I'm sitting behind the driver. This guy is right in front of me. He opens the door at this point. They're being really aggressive, asking us what gang we're from. I told them where we were from, what gang we were from. I, he says, do you know where you're at? I said, uh, yes, but that was a bad answer because in the gang world, you say, you know where you're at? And you say, yes, then that's like, oh, so you don't care. You're, that's like a challenge, right? What I meant to say was, yes, geographically, I know where I'm at, but right. we're not tripping, you know? But he took offense to that. He goes, what? You're over here saying this and that. All of a sudden, and he, he, he pistol whips me. I'm sitting in the car of this, uh, and, and I'm sitting in the car. He pistol whips me. I, 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 I look back just in time to see him pass off the gun. He tries to pull me out of the car and he says, blast them, blast them. And right there, man, uh, they started shooting at us. And instantly, oh. one of the bullets, man, I knew I was shot instantly. I got shot. And, and then the driver, he got shot a couple of times oh. and grazed in the shoulder. So this was now in August of 98. Remember, so it's been over a year now. My son was born in in April, now it's August. Coincidentally, it happened to be on my wife's birthday. My wife's 19th birthday. I would be 19 a few weeks later. And so we end up getting shot. Um, and, um, it, you know, I, it was just a, a crazy night that night. But uh, I ended up having to have abdominal surgery. Um, you know, when you get shot in the upper torso, they... They want to, they basically cut you open and evaluate your organs to see what's been hurt and damaged. And so after my surgery took, I was in the hospital for eight days. It took me a couple of months to, to recover, uh, fully recover. It took me longer, but, um, at that point I was like, man, I have a son out there and I don't even, and I could have died. Right. 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 
If you'd like to hear the rest of this sermon, subscribe today. It's only $3 a month when you subscribe at supercast.tech or $4.99 per month when subscribing in Apple Podcasts. Links are in the show notes. We thank you for joining us on this special preview of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.